0: this lesson in james and uh, you know one of the things you you find as you read the book of james you find that james is, is somewhat you know is it's kind of like the book of proverbs you know is a book of wisdom and knowledge and understanding and instructions and if you notice when you're reading through james even though you you'll find that the epistles even though they sometimes seem like they're somewhat small But they're power packed, and what the writers are doing is they're reaching back, and they're bringing out those nuggets that I feel that are key and essential and important to us as New Testament Christians. How we should live our lives. You will find that as you read through them, you find that there's always warnings. There's always instructions, there's always understanding, and there's always knowledge to help us to grow and to continue on. And that's what James is all about. When you look at James, uh, how he writes to us, and you notice that, that James talks about what true religion is and what false religion is. And how we should really live, and so he he encourages us that true religion has certain aspects and certain things that you should do and and if you it's, he 's kind of like he gives us a yardstick you know to measure uh you know uh, what true is versus what false is is and and so, as you read James, you can seem to pick those pieces out. You know, he starts out in chapter one and he talks about rejoicing when you're going through things in your life and he talks about the value and the importance of having the word of God and being a doer of God's word and not just hearers only. Because James seems to realize that through the word of God we can be more than conquerors through him that love us. You know, he, he, and he's trying to get us to understand, I believe, that the more of God's Word we hide in our hearts, the more of God's Word we start doing, that it makes us more like Christ and it helps us to be able to endure hardness as a good soldier for Jesus Christ. Amen. And so James he is, is, is shows us, uh, you know, he, he talks about don't be in the judge. He talks about don't judging, you know, and that's the key, you know, is is you can judge anybody, but you always hear me say I'm a fruit inspector, <laughs> you know, and that's what James is trying to get us to do. He, that's that's what he's saying. He says here here's how you can look at it and to determine good from evil and right from wrong is based on the Word of God, say, and with the Word of God, we should be able to understand these things as as we go forth here. amen, He talks about don't lusting after evil things he talks about he teaches us how to treat each other you know and how do, we should be involved in ministry and how we should walk by faith and not by sight you know and he then he he winds up to tell us about keeping ourselves unspotted. From the world, Amen. And this is what James is is all about. And he drops little hints and little little you know nuggets of gold. Look at James four real quick. We're gonna before we hit the James five here. Look at James four verse thirteen through fifteen. You know, he says, "Go to now, you that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get gain." He says, whereas you don't know what shall be on the For what is your life? It is even as a vapor. It appears for a little times and then it vanishes away. Verse 15. For what you ought to say is that the Lord will, we shall do this and do that. Notice. You know, he says, don't say I'm going to do this tomorrow and I'm going to do that. He says, get in the habit and say if the Lord will. You know, Because we don't know what this life holds. You know, I don't know what's gonna be on tomorrow. I might tell you, I see you tomorrow, Sister Miriam, but I don't know if I'm gonna see you tomorrow or not. I'd go to bed tonight and be gone, and I won't see you tomorrow. You know, so he's saying what I should say, Sister Miriam. If the Lord will, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> That's what he's saying. We get, <laughs> we got to get in this habit, you know, of keeping God in the forefront of things. Because without him, James says, you know, we can do nothing. You know, Jesus says in John fifteen five, you know, without me, you can do nothing. So we have to realize that the value. So he gives us these warnings, little warning signs in that passage. And then he gives us instructions. Amen. Kind of like what Solomon does in the book of Proverbs. And so when you're reading James, you want to keep the book of Proverbs in mind as well. Amen. So let's move on now here today. We're going to the fifth chapter of, of James. And, and James uh, starts out here in the fifth chapter giving some warning to those that are rich. You see, because what happens a lot of times is he he reaches back again. And if you notice, Paul is also reaching back. And Jesus talked a lot about you know the love of money and and things of that nature. So he says, "Go to now, ye that rich, and weep and howl for your misery; they shall come upon you." In other words, you, if you're trying to get rich the wrong way, you're going to be miserable. You know, it's what he's saying here. You can't allow money to control your life. Say, yes, we need money to live. We need money to. You know, that's our currency that we live. So we gotta have it, but you have to be wise so that you don't kill yourself in the process. (laughs) You know, because you know, what happens, James is saying, is those that try to be rich the wrong way, you find up wall and falling into all kinds of temptations and wrongdoings. Say and so he calls them and he's trying to instruct them that those that are rich to realize there's a judgment coming, is what James is trying to say here to them. He says, There's gonna be a judgment, and you need to be aware of that, so that you are not way out here when you should be over here in the straight and narrow. See? This is why Jesus says in Matthew chapter six, verse nineteen through twenty one. Jesus says, "...lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust of corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust of corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also." If I was to go around and ask you, what is your number one treasure, what would it be? Don't yell. Don't tell me. <laughs> what what would your number one treasure be? Because wherever your treasure is, Jesus says, that's where your heart is going to be. Say, So God should be our number one treasure. Because we are told, "Thou shall love the Lord thy God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. So if I have God as my priority treasure and I love him more than anything, that's where my heart is going to be. Paul writing to the church at Colossus in the third chapter, verse 1, he says, If you be risen with Christ, then seek those things above, where Christ is seated on the right hand of the throne of God. Set your affections on things above and not on things of this earth, for you are dead. Okay? You're dead. You ever pinch yourself and see if you're alive? (laughs) You're dead. In other words, what he's saying here is, look, you repentant. You've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And now that's where your life should be. See, you let go of the old way of life. See, So now heaven should be your treasure. Where you're going, this is where you should be focusing. Not here on this earth. Because James says, you don't know what tomorrow is going to hold. See, you need to be ready for any moment that is time to get out of here. You know, it, like I tell people all the time, I preach about going to heaven, so why am I willing to stay here? Why am I delaying the process? You know, I'm ready to go. You know, I want to see those pearly gates. I want to see those gates. Of but if my treasure is here on this earth, I'm going to have a hard time trying to get out of here. I'm going to do everything in my power to stay here. If it caused me millions and millions and millions and millions to stay here. Because this is where I have put focus. But if my focus is there, I'm going to be ready to go. I'm going to be excited about going. See? So this is what James is trying to get us. He says, don't lay up treasures here on earth. Proverbs 23, 7 tell us, as the man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Notice. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Jeremiah tells us in Jeremiah seventeen nine. he says, The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? See, y- y- your heart is going to drive your thoughts. It's going to drive you. See? And so this is why you've got to keep your mind stayed upon him, so that he keep you in perfect peace. Is what James is trying to to get us to see. And so Jesus says, Don't lay up treasures down here. You know, and James is trying to get the rich to see, look, there's a judgment coming. Be ready for that judgment day. Say, we got to prepare ourselves. So if we be risen with Christ, let's set our affections on things above and not on things of this earth. Because treasures will steal your heart from God. Things will take your heart away from God if you're not careful. You know, you're set there and you're, you're focused on this. Oh, this is mine. This is mine. You know, and, and it'll steal your joy. Don't let things steal your joy. Say, you got to get to a point where you can lose and still rejoice. You know, if first you don't succeed, try and try again. God has everything we have need of, say, And so when we keep our focus on him, we're going to be all right. Amen. Paul writes to the church in the 6th chapter of Timothy, verse 6 through verse 10, <clears throat> notice here he says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. Notice, godliness with contentment, It's great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain, (laughs) ain't taking nothing with you. You came in your birthday suit, you're going on your birthday suit. (laughs) You ain't taking anything with you. Pretty coat you got on there, but it ain't going with you. (laughs) You know, nice color shirt you got there, bud, but it ain't going with you. You know, nothing I own is going with me, see? So what is he saying? I need to learn contentment. Be satisfied with the things that I have. And having food and raiment, let us there will be content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and prediction. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Notice. It's the love of it. Say, Because if I love it, what happened? My heart went to something else. It went away from God. To something else, because if I love money, then I don't really love God. Because now this is really, you remember what Jesus says: you can't love me and mammon at the same time. You're gonna either love one and hate the other, or you're gonna hold the one and despise the other. See, so I gotta keep Him first. This is what James is trying to get us to see and this what the apostle Paul is trying. Notice verse 9. He says, but they that will be rich fall into temptations and snares. See, when the enemy knows that money is your desire and your love, what is going to happen? He's going to set traps. He's going to set snares. You know, I, I, I had this one lady when I was in the army. I mean, she was gamblers and anonymous bingo had her hook I mean she was hooked on bingo I mean no matter how much I try to talk to her try to help her to get out of it you know she was it was she is hooked it was hooked you know and it's the same way with the lottery these things people are hooked and they can't get away say the way, it, the way it happens is you might win one or two pots. But what happens? If you're not careful, you keep saying, hey, I won 100. I'm going to stay here trying to win a 1,000. You know? And you stop and think how many people are hooked. I think about four or five years ago I read an article. The woman was suing the, the lottery people because she had never won hello, <laughs> hello, <laughs> it says right on there, your chances is one in trillions and stuff like that, you know, so we have to realize, you know, we start falling into these traps and these snares when love, money becomes our love, you know, I've, I've seen all kinds of things when I was young and in the world, you know. I used to gamble. I used to do stuff. And it was like that. You know, you, you start playing bingo. I can remember one time I was a, I was at the club with, you know, this is all B.C. And I was, I was sitting there, and a friend of mine, he says, hey, man, let's play a game. Let's play. Go buy a card and let's play a game. And I says, man, I ain't got time for this stuff. He says, come on, let's just play a game, see if we win. And I did. And I won $75, you know. And. I thought, wow, I could get into this. You know? And guess what? The next night I was back. But then all of a sudden I woke up. You know, wait a minute. You know, my chances of winning, you know, you sat there and your heart is pounding, boom, boom, boom. You know, you're looking at the board, and all of a sudden you you got one number left, you know, and you're just waiting, hoping your number is gonna come out and tension is rising, you know, and you're waiting and then somebody holler, bingo! You go, oh man. Then you sat there and you hope, man, I hope they misplaced the number or something, you know. But you, it's easy to get hooked like that. See, so so Paul is saying look, we can fall into many hurtful temptations and snares, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts. And this is what James is trying to get us to see. Back in James, he says, Blessed is the man that can endure temptations, for when he is tried, he shall receive a crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. Say, we've got to keep our love with God. We can't allow these snares and traps that the enemy is setting for us to to make us think that it's all about money. Say, we, we've got to be smarter than this. We've got to wake up and, and realize that the enemy tr- sets little traps here, and he sets little traps there. Amen. Solomon tells us in Proverbs 28, 20, he says, A faithful man shall abound with blessings, but he that maketh haste to be rich shall not be innocent, Proverbs 28, 20. But, but you remember what David says in Psalm 1? He says, Blessed is the man. That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the ways of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his, his light is in the law of the Lord, and in the law that he meditate day and night, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. He shall bring forth his fruit in his season, his leaf shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. See, I got to keep my focus on the things of God. So so Solomon says a faithful man shall abound with blessings but he that make haste to be rich shall not be innocent say because what happens is when you're trying to be rich you're going to do something evil say usually you don't you don't I, you know people don't mind who they step on people don't mind you know who they destroy trying to get rich you think of the young ladies and guys that are standing on the corner as prostitutes. is because behind them is an evil trying to get rich. See, so they don't mind who they destroy. They don't mind what they do, you know, to try to get to that point. See, so we have to beware of this. Proverbs 28, 22, he that he that hastened to be rich... Hath an evil eye, and consider not that poverty shall come upon him. Amen. Proverbs thirteen eleven, wealth gotten by vanity shall be diminished, but he that gathered by labor shall increase. See, so we we've got to realize that Satan is going to set some snares, and so this is what James is trying to get us to realize that look. Don't let your riches pull you away from God. Keep that modesty in life. You know, if your riches increase, rejoice in the Lord. Just keep doing, serving God. Don't go away from God because scriptures let you know riches make themselves wings, and they're gone. See, and, and you don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. Say, so we have to realize these things, so we have to prepare ourselves and get our hearts right into many foolish and hurtful lust, and the carnal and worldly lust, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye and the pride of life, which are the things that are in the world and draw the affections to them. Amen, see it, it, there's a whole lot of misery that takes place, James is saying. He's trying to prepare them for the misery that it's going to bring. You know, sin is, is, there's misery in sin. There's a whole lot of misery. You know, the Bible tells us in Proverbs 13, 5, that the way of a transgressor is what? Easy? It's hard. It's hard to be a sinner. You know, don't think those people are having fun out there. Believe me, I've been out there. You know, you're always looking over your back. You know, you're always worrying about what 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 you do wrong and and what you're gonna do. You know, it, it's not easy being the center. You know, you, you really have to be careful. I, I mean, I'm thankful that God pulled me out when He did. You know, I, sometimes I sit and I look back and says myself, "How could I be so foolish?" You know, some of the things I did, things I said. I just come to work on Monday morning, my my co-workers would say to me, man, you should have seen you yesterday. You should have seen you. What did I do? You know, man, you just should have just seen yourself. Boy, did you act a fool. Who else seen me act a fool? (laughs) What all did I do? And they would never tell me what I do. You know, they just say you was act a fool. You know, thank God for deliverance. Amen. So we don't want to fall into many Hurtful and serious for lust. Trying to be rich is going to be miserable. Look at Judas. How could you walk with the Lord for three years, sit with him, see the miracles, and then all of a sudden trade him for 30 pieces of silver? You know, they say that. What I read is, is that, that 30 pieces of silver is what they kind of gave for a peasant or for a slave in those days. That was as much as a slave or a peasant was worth, was like 30 pieces of silver, which was minimal, nothing. So he sold out his master for that. And then when he realized his wrong and he tried to take it back, it was too late. He was so miserable after that. What did he do? He went on and hung himself. Sometimes you read these kind of things in the papers or online. You know, you hear people that's rich and got all kinds of money and stuff, and they commit suicide. And you, you ask yourself the question, what could be so bad with that much that you was that miserable? That would make you do that. Because the enemy always has a trap. As the old saying, money can't buy you happiness. Only Jesus does that. He's the one to give us joy unspeakable and full of glory. So we have to be aware that we don't want to fall into these traps that the enemy is setting before us. Amen. And so James goes on here, amen, in the third and fourth verse of the fifth chapter, amen, and he talks about, you know, your gold and your silver is canker and they rust them that be a witness against you and shall eat your flesh as with fire you have heaped treasures together for the last day. Behold, the hire of the laborer whom have reaped down your fields, which you have kept back. In other words, he says, don't defraud people. If you owe somebody, pay them. Don't hold somebody's wages, you know. If they labor for you and work for you, he said, pay the poor people for the work that they do. See, because we always reap what we sow. We've got to realize these things, you know. And like, like Peter told, Simon, you know, when he tried to buy the Holy Ghost, you know, because the judgment is going to come. He says in Acts chapter 8, verse 20, 24, But Peter said, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot of this matter for the heart. Your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of these thy wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps thy th- the thoughts of thine heart may be forgiven thee, for I perceive that thou art in a gall of bitterness and in bond of iniquities. Then answered Simon and said, Pray unto the Lord for me, that none of these things which thou have spoken come upon me. See? So, you know, so we have to realize we we don't want to let our money think we're going to get there. It ain't going to get you there. It's not going to happen. Uh, you can't buy heaven. <laughs> you can't. If it was if it was for sale, you know people would try to buy it. But it don't work that way with God. Verse five and six. And now, now, James cautioned them about pleasure seeking and persecution of the righteous. He said, "You have lived in pleasure on the earth, have been wanton, and you have worse your heart as in the day." Of slaughter. Verse six. You have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. So notice he warns about pleasure seeking. Say, there's nothing wrong with having some pleasure, but it should not be your priority. You know, I believe we should have balance in life. I think we should go out and you know and see what God has created. I think we should have some good wholesome fun, you know. But we can't let that trump god say and that's what is ha- seemed to be happening today you know is most people a lot of the majority of folks in the world and even in some churches they're letting pleasure override the things of god you know so we have to be cautious that we don't allow these things to happen Amen. So we have to reach back, and you know, and, and James keeps reaching back. You know, he he tells the story about the rich man and Lazarus. You remember the rich man? What transpired? You know, he, he was rich, and as a result, Lazarus laid at the gate. You know, the dogs mow over the dog, licked his wounds and stuff, and they both died. And what happened? In heaven, here's Lazarus. In hell, here's the rich man. And what happened? He says, Father Abraham, let Lazarus just come and dip his finger and what if I'm tormented in these flames? And what did Abraham say? You in your life, you know, you fared good, you had everything, and Lazarus was miserable, basically, you know, is what it is. But now he's good to go. And you're tormented. See? So we have to be aware of these things and not let pleasure and all this other th- things, because we think we've got it all together, you know, is going to get us there. Say. So we have to make sure that we stay focused on God and what God is called us to do. The book of Haggai, chapter one, verse six, the Lord says, consider your ways. Notice. Hagar hey, one, I think it's verse six, where he says, "Consider your ways." Notice he says, "You have sown much, you're bringing little. You eat, but you have not enough to eat. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but you're not warm. And he that earneth wages, what are they doing? You put it in a bag like we got holes in it. It's coming in, going right out. <laughs> wow." And you know what this is all about? He says, because you're neglected the house of God. That's all he told them. He says, you're you're not warm. because You put on clothes, you're not warm. You're drinking, you're not drinking. You're not filled. You're eating, you're not full. He says, you're earning wages is like you're putting a hole in back. He says, because you're neglecting the house of God. See? So we have to make sure we keep our priorities right. So notice, he says, consider your ways. And this is what James is all about. This is what the epistles are all about. It's for us to look at ourselves. He says, you got to line up with the Word of God. In, in James one, he says, don't just be a hearer, but you got to be a doer. Your life has got to line with what God says if you're going to be a true religion or a true Christian. He says there's no, no you know, you can't be here today and over here tomorrow. He says a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You have to just make up your mind. You know, you can't say, you know, well, I'll try it here, and then if I don't like it, I'll go, no. He says I have set before you life and death, good and evil. He says choose. What Moses says. He said, if You've got a hard time deciding, let me help you. <laughs> choose God. Choose life. You know, because there's going to be an end. So we have to realize here, we've got to do. What God is calling and asking and loves to do. So, He's given us, they're giving us all these pretty warnings and helps and instructions so that we can be good and be excited and look forth to what is coming down the pipeline for us the the Lord and the heaven and the glory and all the beauty and all the things that we live with Him forever and evermore. See, so we have to consider our ways, you know, because there's an end. People don't think there's an end. Notice what Peter said in 2 Peter 3. 2 Peter 3. Peter, Peter writing in his epistle says, Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking up to their own lusts and says, Where is the promise of this coming? For all, for since the fathers fell asleep, all things continued as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they are willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the waters and in the waters whereby the world that what then was being overflowed with water perish, but the heavens and the earth which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and prediction of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. Notice, he gives you some of the instructions and warning, and then he says, don't you be ignorant of this one thing, that one day with the Lord... Is as a thousand years and a thousand years, just like one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repent it repentance, excuse me. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night and which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons are you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall be melted with fervent heat. Amen. So don't get caught. Don't get caught not ready. Cuz it's going to be a surprise. You know, you got to be ready cuz James says we don't know what tomorrow holds. You yeah. Know? If they say that a nuclear weapon, you know, will destroy a whole city, What if one of them clowns out there was to launch one in here and it hit, you know, lacrosse? You know? The first Gulf War, I mean, Saddam launched a Scud missile and it was one of our units that got hit. When I stood there and looked at that place where that Scud missile hit, if it went ten yards this way, It'd have missed the building. If it went ten yards that way, it'll have missed the building. If it fell ten yards short, it would have missed the building. But it hit it right dead in the middle. And all these soldiers were killed. The majority of the soldiers that was killed in the first Gulf War was one of our units. And all they did was just shot it. Just threw it out there. You know, we we had all kinds of air defense systems, but it got through. You know? So what if one of those in North Korea or China decide to shoot? We don't know. We just have to be ready. Amen for these things. So James goes on and he exalts us and and then he encourages us to be patient. Learn to patience. That that gift that that came with the Holy Ghost of learning how to wait on God, learning how to trust God, not to get ahead of God just to be patient. You know, and let him work. He's working on our behalf. Jesus says in Luke twenty-one, nineteen, in your patience, possess you your soul. Because if I get out of the way and try to get ahead of God, I can wind up in all kinds of mess. So I have to learn patience. That's why we've got to keep on the whole armor of God so that we stay humble before him. And James goes on and he talks about, you know, Job. He talks about, you've seen the patience of Job, he says. You know, Job is a story that we should visit quite often and see how he got through some of the things he got through. Is was He had constantly, from the onset, Job had laid up, you know, that he would worship God. He was sacrifice for himself and for his family. And Job had built a relationship with God. That where God says to Satan, have you even considered my servant Job? He's a perfect and upright man and there's none like him in all the earth. Say that comes from spending a whole lot of time in advance with God. That comes with trusting God and believing in God and holding on. No matter what goes on or comes in your life, you learn how to patiently wait. For they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Amen. We, we have to be patient. James says... Consider the patience of Job. You know, you know, the the only thing I find with Job was his friends. <laughs> you know, his so-called friends. They went there, they sat for seven days and didn't say anything. Because that was the customs, you know, you gotta you know. But then all of a sudden they started accusing him. You know. This job you got to be sinning. Job you got to be, you know. So they kept pounding him and kept pounding him and kept pounding him, you know. That Job start thinking a little bit differently. You know, Job says, "Well, I wish I knew where I could find him. I plead my cause. I plead my case, you know." But Job says he would put probably put some strength in me, you know. And that's that's the key is we have to realize that no matter what we go through in life. This world is still not my home. I'm just passing through. No, most of us don't like pain. Most of us don't like to suffer. Most of us, we don't like to see other people suffer, you know, because we are moved compassion because of the Lord. Yeah. You know? But we got to realize something. It's going to happen <laughs> because the scripture tell us. See, so we have to learn how to be patient When these things happen to learn how to wait on God and he will renew our strength. He will help us. I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. So Job says, I mean, James says, you've seen the patience of Job, you know, he was long suffering. He had to go through some things in his life. And then as we drop down, you know, he talks about, you know, oaths. He says, you don't need to be taking oaths, you know. He said, don't let me. bring up verse 12 real quick for me there, if you got it, James 512 We're going to get there. But above all things, my brothers, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by earth, neither by other oaths, any other oath. But let your yea be yea, and let your nay be nay, lest you fall into condemnation. So James is saying true religion is you don't need to take an oath. You should know what you're supposed to do. You say you're going to do something, you do it. You know to do it. That's why he goes back to the fourth chapter at the end. He says, therefore, him that know to do good, you just do it, because if not, it's sin. See? So you you don't need to be reminded constantly of of what you're supposed to do. He said, true religion automatically knows what to do is right. And they do it. He says, but false religion don't do it. See? So you don't need to to swear and all this stuff by heaven, you know, I swear I'm going to pay you back and all that. No. Just do it. Let's do what you ought to do. Amen. Verse 13 through 15, he instructs us in respect to, you know, notice, if any among you afflicted, let him pray. you got going through trials. You're going through afflictions, troubles. He says, you pray. Have that habit of just in your secret closet. You and God get along. Just pour your heart to him. You know, have a little talk with him. You're not know saying I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses, the voice I hear falling out of ear, the sound of God disclosing, He walks with me, talks with me, and He tells me I'm on. So get get in the habit of praying for yourself. Get in the habit of building that relationship of prayer. As Paul says, pray without ceasing and everything, give thanks. You know, just share with God, you know, what you're going through, what you're facing, you know, see what are you doing. Then he goes on and he says, you know, it's, you know he, he talks about, you know, if you marry, go back to verse uh, 13, I think it is. Maybe back to 12. Yeah, 13. Okay. Is any Mary? Sing. Sing, 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 and make music with the heavens. He says, get in the habit of singing psalms. You just sung a psalm a while ago, right? Great is the Lord and greatly. What psalm is that? Psalms 48. You know. Psalms forty eight. You know. So if you marry which you should be all the time, I think <laughs> you know, sing songs. You know. Because there's something about singing that lifts your spirit. It keeps you edified, keeps you joyful. You know. So he says, If you marry, sing songs. If any sick among you, now you call for the elders of the church. You know. And let them pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick. If they've committed any sins, they shall be forgiven him. See? So he tells us what we do. Then he goes on to talk about confess your faults one to another. You know, if I sin against you, I am supposed to come and ask you for forgiveness. Let you know I'm sorry I did not mean to do it. Just you and me. Not somebody else. I don't go tell her. I'm sorry that I said that to her. No. I go to her. You Confess your fault one to another. And you pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avail much. And then he gives us an illustration. He says, you remember Elijah? He says, Elijah prayed and it didn't rain for three and a half years. And he says, and then he prayed again and it rained. So he said, this is how effectual, fervent prayers work. See, results. See, we build that relationship with God. We keep our relationship with God so that when we do pray, he answer us. In his time, he will answer. Did Elijah pray that it rain again? You know, I don't know, you know. But I'm sure people probably say, man, why don't you pray that it'll rain? <laughs> you know, it's been three and a half years. We're thirsty, man. Pray, pray. You're the one that's caused it. That's why they wanted to kill him, you know. <laughs> you know, where's he at? You know, get rid of this guy and it'll rain. No. But he prayed and it rained again. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Okay. So, <laughs> So but but the overall gist, as I said from the onset, is that you know James is trying to get us to see here. He gives us what true religion is, what false religion is, and then he gives us warnings. And through it all, he gives us a bunch of good instructions, a bunch of great wisdom. He talks about us briling our tongue. He talks about not being judgmental. All these good things. So when you go back and you study James, you're gonna find out. That he's trying to get us to be nothing but true Christians is what it is, and that our lives would be a great reflection of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, with that, that's we are looked at that epistle. Now, start next month, we're going to be looking at the epistles of John. They, we're going to we're going to walk through kind of like we did here, uh, with the start out with the first three epistles of John. John, first John chapter first john second john third john we're going to look at those amen and we're going to walk through those again kind of like this as well to see where we should be as christians amen amen father we love you we praise you we magnify you god we glorify you we exalt you in all things we give you glory and praise and honor and we thank you for your presence your word today bless us in jesus name amen